Good morning, everybody. Pull this up to a better level there. Um, so Victoria says, what are you going to talk about? I said four words, just four words, so that Abby and Livy and Lauren can understand four words. It's going to be okay. Victoria says, well, that's great. It's going to be upper then. It's not, not a downer. I said, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, it is a tribute. I'd like to give a tribute to my mother today. Uh, we're going, as soon as this service is over, to her memorial service in Shafter. Um, Last thing my mom said to me as she took that little frail 95-year-old frame and wrapped it around me, head's right about here. She's like, Steve, I love you so much. It's good memory. It's good memory. She was a good mom. But I was thinking about this, and it's not just my mom that we've lost. Think of over the past year, you know, how things have been. By the way, this is the first time I've worn a suit in church in a year. It feels kind of different. It's nice. But in the last year, we've lost others. We've lost, what, uh, Judith Briley? We need to remember her. How about Janet Kirk, your mom, Lauren? Uh, James, James Ware. Um, of course, John... <laughs> That was a little before the pandemic, but am I missing anybody? Any names come to mind? I know that some of you have, have lost people who were a blessing to humanity, like those names I mentioned, a blessing to humanity. And I just want to, whatever I have to say today, I'd like to meditate on the meaning of that, their lives and what it means to lose, lose that gift of that to connectedness. So let's bow our heads. We're going to need help this morning. Dear Lord, we would like to understand We would like our minds to be clear. We would like the gift of life to be maximized right now in your presence. So that we know your plan, the future that you have for us. And uh, thank you for my mom. Thank you for my dad. Thank you for those that we've lost. We pray for those who suffer, and we lift all of this congregation and all that we've mentioned up to you and entrust it to you. Amen. So, you know, I got a phone call. I got a phone call a couple weeks ago. It's Jenny, our oldest daughter. Dad. Hey, Dad. 
you've got to do something for me. Dad, I need you to buy GameStop. I'm like, what? Dad, it's going to $100,000. Dad, you buy me two shares, okay? Two shares. And I, I, I had a friend that told me, it told me they knew it was going up. I was like, this is a really dumb idea. Dad calls me the next morning. Dad, did you buy those two shares? Yeah, yeah, I took the money out of your account, bought you two shares, GameStop. Yeah, it, you know what? It, it went up for two hours. And then I'm watching limit down, limit down, limit down, three times in a row. She lost 60% of her money in 10 minutes. If she had just known the future, she could have saved herself a lot of grief. Uh, you know what, what Jenny had? <clears throat> they call it in that business FOMO. Who knows what FOMO is? FOMO. Fear of missing out. She was so afraid she was going to miss out on that big move. Fear of missing out. FOMO. You know, uh, FOMO actually is, when you start looking for it, it's not just in GameStop or the markets. It actually permeates a lot of our lives. Because uh, fear sells. You know, fear, hey, those tickets to New York that you want, there's only two left, you better get those quick. Hey, well, there's a limited supply, buy now. Get it while you got a chance. But fear also frightens. That's why they got all those horror movies. They like, people like to get scared. It's fear in motivates getting ready for that test, uh, trying to work as hard as you can. Uh, fear is something that permeates our culture. We're wrapped up in it. It's hard to escape from. You know the movie where uh, the cowboy says, you're on my land. And the guy says, no, I'm not. He pulls up. I said, you're on my land. Fear is used to force someone to do what they want. But is FOMO actually in the Bible? Is it a scriptural concept? Uh, I can think of one story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's... Oh, let's take a look at one story. I think it's a really good example of FOMO. And it's in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. You got your Bibles out? Let's take a look at the story together because there's so many details in this story that we want to really drill down on what's happening. We want to sort it out. We're starting in verse 22. This is Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. 
And he is looking for a person. He's looking for help. Who is he looking for? Jesus. He knows that Jesus might be able to help his daughter. He finds him, falls down on his knees at Jesus' feet, and begs him. He begs him, please help my girl. She's dying. Come and lay your hands on her so she can be healed and she'll live. Now when we think of the ultimate FOMO, this is what I regard as the ultimate fear. It's not of me dying. I mean, if I was told I was going to die, I'd be like, good run, peace out. But wait a second. Like two weeks ago, Victoria had a seizure. That she has seizures. But two, day, two days after that seizure, when she got up in the morning, she couldn't stand. She's falling to her left. She's dizzy. She has blurred vision. She says, am I dying? I'm talking about the kind of fear that rips your guts out. That's the kind of fear Jairus was experiencing. I mean, the thought of losing something precious, truly precious that you truly care about, I'm talking about that kind of fear. I got to tell you a little side story. I'm walking to the farm the other day. There's a little guy, a little man. He's a man, but he's a little one. And he says to me, he says, hey, Steve. But he didn't know my name, so he just said, hey, would you like to come over and see what we're doing? We're building something here. I'm like, okay, what what you doing? He says, we're building a little fort here. By the way, what's your name? I said, I'm Steve. He says, well, Steve, I really like that shirt you're wearing. This is kind of a rag shirt. And by the way, I really like that jacket you're wearing. You know, can you guess who that was? That's Evan. It was Evan. So, so precious. Yeah. J. Iris's daughter was so precious. I mean, that's why he got down on his knees and begged. This is a big shot. This is the guy who's from a community that doesn't really want too much to do with Jesus. He's a guy who is... You know, he wants to reserve judgment. He wants to be cautious. But when it comes to his daughter, I'm looking for somebody who can really help me. But as I look at this story, Jairus was missing something. He didn't understand something. He should have. It's in Isaiah. Let's take a look at that next. Isaiah 57. By the way, Sabbath school class has been studying Isaiah the last 13 weeks. This is a genius book. Highly recommended. Amazing. Amazing insights into God and his character. 
and his trustworthiness, his faithfulness. Isaiah 57. I said 59. Isaiah 57. I'm going to read it. You listen to the thought and see what the thoughts, the concept says. The righteous perishes. No man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his own uprightness. What's the idea? Well, let's read it again. This time from a translation that translates ideas instead of just words. New Living Translation. Good people pass away. Sometimes the godly die before it's their time. No one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand. What don't they, what don't they understand? What didn't Jairus understand? That God is protecting them. God is protecting them. I tell you what, that's a concept we got to drill down into uh, better understand the story of Jairus. Good people pass away before their time. But we don't understand something. Sometimes we don't even care. But God is protecting them. Now look at what happens to Jairus going back to Mark. Look at what happens to him. I mean, this poor guy is just getting sucker punched left and right. It's bad enough losing your daughter or having her so ill. And look at what is whispered in his ear. Verse 35, Mark 5, verse 35. Some people came up to him and whispered, don't bother the teacher anymore. Why trouble him? He's busy. She's dead. Jairus was already FOMO scale 10, and now he has his friends come by and say, don't worry, she's dead. Don't bother. It won't help. Um, I call these people, in this case, I'm going to use a rude word, liars. The people that come and say, don't bother with Jesus. He won't help you, it's too busy. You're not worthy. I mean, where did my mom get the idea? For most of her life, she struggled with the idea that she wasn't worthy. She played the church organ for 50 years. 
those lies that get whispered a thousand times in a thousand different ways until it becomes real to you. You don't matter. It's too late. You'll never make it. You messed up. You don't have a chance. The lies that destroy. The lies that break our confidence. It's not going to be okay. By the way, is there a story in the Bible to support that idea that I just threw out there? Well, I wouldn't ask the question if I didn't have an answer for a sermon, right? Well, let's try this story. First Samuel 28. First Samuel 28. You'll remember this story. King Saul, he's really, really nervous. I mispronounced that word on purpose, by the way. He's really, really nervous. Um, that's because he's about to go into battle. 1 Samuel 28. Sam, uh, Saul is terrified. He has FOMO level 10. And he's looking for somebody who knows the future. Because if you know the future... You'll know what to do. You don't have to be afraid. If Jenny had just known the future, she would have known what to do. Saul wants to know the future, so he'll know what to do. So he goes to the witch of Indor. That sounds like a really bad idea to me, just right offhand. I mean, paying somebody to lie to you just sounds like a bad idea. It still happens nowadays. You go to the palm reader, you go to the psychic. No, bad idea. You know, you know they don't have anything that will really help you. But he goes to the witch of Endor, and she calls up Samuel. And what does Samuel say? 28, verse 16. And you tell me if you think that this is an encouraging message. Why are you asking me? Samuel says. Seeing the Lord has left you and become your enemy. Ouch. Ooh. That hurts. Does that message increase or fear or decrease or fear? What did it do to Saul? Well, you know the story. Saul's devastated. He can't eat. He's miserable. And he's not much of a leader when they go out to battle, gets wounded and falls on his own sword. That's how destructive the lies can be. Jairus, it's too late. She's gone. I'm just being your friend. I'm just telling you the truth. We got to go back to that story. Boy, I'm glad it doesn't end there. Mark 5. Jesus hears the whisper. 
Jesus hears the whisper. He sees what's happening to Jairus. That, all that uh, courage that he was able to build up to leave his disbelieving friends back home and go to Jesus and ask for help, and now he's being told, don't bother him. It's too late. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 hold it. Jairus, right here, right here, Jairus, right here. I'm getting this from the text. It says, Jesus heard the word that was spoken, and he said to the ruler, to the ruler. He didn't say it to the people. He didn't say it to the crowd. He says, right here, Jairus, listen, listen. Don't be afraid. Let's take your FOMO down a little bit, Jairus. Let's just settle down. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just trust me. I got this one. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. I got this one. This principle doesn't just apply to Jairus. It doesn't apply to when your kid is in desperate straits. But this applies to every single situation, every pothole that we step in, every landmine that we step on, everything that blows up in our face. This principle applies every single time. Steve, just stop. Don't listen to them. Right here. I got this one. It's going to be okay. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be scared. You don't need to be depressed. You don't need to be angry. I got it. It's okay. Jesus doesn't talk to the crowd that's trying to distract Jairus. He's talking straight to Jairus. I got it. Okay, I'm going to throw in a little sidebar here. I guess Steve's sermons are like a box of chocolates. You don't really know what you're going to get until you bit into one. But Victoria's brother, Arthur, uh, he's a really interesting guy. He lives in Arkansas. His neighbors have been dear friends. They're really committed Christians. They want so badly for Arthur to hear the gospel and accept the gospel and accept God. They have talked to him and talked to him. So they're friends. Arthur calls them up January. He says, hey, are you going to watch the inauguration? Oh, they say. They, we happen to know. We happen to know the future. We have our sources. There's not going to be an inauguration. 
we happen to know there's going to be martial law declared. Arthur's like, uh, excuse me, are you saying that it's the end of democracy as we know it? Are you saying this is the end of the United States? Well, that's the future. I mean, what was that supposed to do to Arthur's FOMO? I mean, that's a really scary thought. And I just am so grateful it didn't happen. But what does that really do to the reputation of God by people claiming to be followers of Jesus? You know, if you have something to say to your neighbor, tell them it's going to be okay. We know the world's a mess. Come on. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, we live in a world, I call it the disinformation echo chamber. I'm talking about somebody has an idea, gets repeated, and then repeated, and you build subscribers on YouTube, and you say this and that, and it just echoes. A thousand lies in a thousand different ways until it becomes the truth. By the way, disinformation echo chamber, the acronym, the die chamber. Be careful where you get your information. Be careful because it will take FOMO that we're already trapped in and put it up here. And we want it to go down here. Jairus, it's going to be okay. Just trust me. Now, Jesus does one other really unusual, I don't want to call it strange because it's Jesus, but unusual thing as he's walking into the house where the little girl is. He says, what's all the commotion? She's just asleep. Now, I expect Jairus had some money, probably had, had a decent living, and he probably had hired the best physicians available at the time, trained in the arts of medicine, and I suppose that those physicians probably knew when a person was dead. But he says to these people, no, she's just asleep. Very unusual remark. They, their response was to laugh at him. Ha! Huh. Are you a physician? Huh. Laughing to the scorn. They're not laughing like it's a joke. They're laughing like, you're nuts. They didn't understand something, did they? They didn't understand Isaiah 57. God is protecting that little girl. You say she's dead. I say she's asleep. And guess what? We're going to find out who's right. By the way, why wasn't Jesus afraid? Jairus was afraid. Everybody else was upset. 
if you know the future, which Jesus did, if he knew exactly what was about to happen, who are you if you know the future? But a deity. This is God himself walking into the room. And Isaiah says God is protecting that little girl. Isaiah 44 says, I will never forget you. What does that mean? It means, see, I don't know my great-great-grandfather. I know he existed. I don't know who he was, what he was like, what his memories were, what he thought, how he reacted. God knows exactly what that man was like. And he never forgets. And he's protecting that. And someday, I'll see my great-great-grandfather. And I'll say, who are you? And he'll say, I'm your great-great-grandfather. Oh, because he'll be the same person. But it'd be like putting a new operating system in a new cell phone. Don't need the old hardware. Can have perfectly new hardware that works better. I mention that because my mom, before she passed away, just a week before she passed away, said, what's going to happen to Zeke, our dad? Is he just going to pop out of that urn? Sounds scary. It doesn't sound real. I said, Mom, Dad's going to be Dad. It just has a new hardware. Same operating system. And you know what? Just like that little girl with Jairus, power off, power on. If I showed this to my great-great-grandfather, he'd be like, whoa! Astonished, like the people in this story with Jairus. Are you some sort of magician, Steve? No, it's just a cell phone. It was kind of, I hate to use the word, simple for Jesus that day. He knew what was going to happen, and it was just a matter of saying, power on, she's back. Jesus knew the future. He knew it was good future. Does the Bible actually say Jesus knows the future and he knows that it's a good future? Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you could recite it by memory. I know your future. I'll use the Steve paraphrase. I know your future. It's a good future. Not one with harm, but one with hope. I know what my plan is for you, it's going to be okay. Jairus, I know the plan I have for you. It's going to be okay. Just trust me. Stick around. I got something I want to show you. Power on. Oh, give this little girl something to eat. Love that part of the story. Looking out for the kids. This is a man who's not too busy for little kids and scared dads.
So, how do we put this together? I find the best summary in Hebrews 2, chapter 2. Let's take a look at that. Hebrews 2. And we'll start in verse 13. Hebrews 2. What's that say? I will put my trust in the internet. Oh, wait, wait a second. Clean my glasses. Okay, let's try that again. I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in him, Jairus. Don't worry. Don't be upset. Just trust me. Paul says, I will put my trust in him. And what happens? What happens? To defeat FOMO, we know we need factual information. We need... We know we have to know the future. And we know there has to be some sort of hope in the future. Those three factors, as far as I can figure out, take the fears away. Facts, future, hope. Fact. Jesus died And came back to life. It's Easter. Thank you for your illustration, Alyssa. Fact. I mean, is that really open for debate? Is there anybody, anybody who couldn't make that case? Jesus died and he's living again. That seems just like a bedrock concept. And see what Paul says about that fact. So through that death, he destroys him who had the power of death. That is our enemy, the liar, the one who whispers in our ear, it's not okay, it's too late, you're not worthy, you can't make it, he's too busy for you. That power is destroyed Verse 15, and release those who their FOMO have been in prison all their life. The fact that Jesus died and is alive again means that whatever happened to my mom and my dad and Judith and Janet, and James, and John, and so many in our church family. Whatever happened to them is not the end. We know that. We know it. We know the future. The fact is right there. It is right there. Jerry, I have to throw in your mom and dad, too. Your dad. 
What a precious soul. We know that they'll come back, power on, that we'll be together again. We're not afraid. Oh, don't misunderstand me. It's hard to say goodbye. We'll miss them. There are tears. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about something like in 1 Thessalonians. We cry when we're separated in this way, but not the way other people do. They don't have any hope. We know. We got our eyes fixed on Him. We put our trust in Him. We push away the liars that say it's not going to happen. It won't happen. It, it's too late. We keep our eyes focused on Him because we know that there is hope. We do have a future. That God is protecting them just like He's protecting us. I'd love to have a question session now. I guess we don't do that, church. We'll have to save that for Sabbath school class. But let's bow our heads and thank you for uh, a chance to share some thoughts with you. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for a really good mom and dad. And I know I'm not the only one. Many of the people here today are here because they had good moms, good dads. Some people maybe not. They only have you. But you're really, really good. You treat us so well. And um, I love those words that you whispered or you said to that man that day, Jairus. Jairus, don't be afraid. I know it's your daughter. I know you're scared. Just trust me. And uh, Lord, do you know the kind of planet we live on? You know what it's like here. When it comes to that, we really need help. We need your spirit, confidence. We need something that is a bedrock in our lives. We need facts. The fact is you did come. You did live here. You do know what it's like. And you're alive. So we can live too. And the fear is gone forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.